Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello, and welcome to a very special World Cricket Show Halloween special. Join us if you dare. My name is Adam Bayford, and I'll be your host tonight. And with me in the studio for this spooktacular episode is a man whose very name strikes fear into the hearts of all who hear it. And that's before we even talk about his appearance. That's right, it's Tony Kerr. Ooh, I'm really bad at Halloween. (laughs) As I proved at the weekend. I'm bad at Halloween. I'm not good at it. I can't do it. I can't do it. (laughs) But I mean, you're not particularly good at it either, I don't think. I like the idea of like, uh, if you're in a job interview or something. (laughs) So what are your weaknesses? Mm, Halloween. I'm not not great at Halloween. Major weakness. From a young age as well. Never really developed kind of a strength for it, I guess. Yeah, I've never been big on Halloween, actually, either. I've, I've been trying to sort of compensate for that in the last few years with World Cricket Show Halloween specials. <laughs> just with the World Cricket Show. <laughs> yeah. What, what but, did you guys last time you went to a Halloween party? Gil from The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just turned up in a suit and everyone... I'd, I'd been at work, I just came straight in my suit and everyone thought I was Gil from The Simpsons. Have you been to any parties yet this year, Tone? Well, I went to a Halloween party on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Uh, needless to say, I was... I stuck out. You stuck out? out. (laughs) Needless to say, I stuck out. (laughs) Anyway, go back. Don't don't leave that in. I'll probably leave that in. Uh, Needless to say, I stood out like, uh, you know, like someone who hadn't actually bothered to acquire a a Halloween-specific fancy dress because I just recycled something from my cupboard. (laughs) From the hockey festival, was it from uh, your cupboard? Because yeah, I I turned up at the pub at uh, about five o'clock well, on Saturday. Story as well, isn't it? I'd been working. I came along. <laughs> we went to football. Watch- I came along <laughs> for a bit. Yeah, we went. It was El Clasico. It, it, it was an event. It was Spanish night. <laughs> what way was it Spanish night? Well, a lot of the elements of Spanish night fell through, like the tapas and the Spanish beer. Yeah, uh, so it was none, just El Clasico. Just kind of drinking Dutch beer. And not eating any food at all, really. But yeah, you, you turned up for a bit. Yeah, uh, I came for a bit. Which was 10 minutes, <laughs> uh, which is yeah, it's nice to see. Uh, all you did was take a photo of me, threaten to put it on the World Creek Show Facebook page and yeah, leave. I took a photo of you in that Halloween costume. Went, great, great, great stuff, got all I need and, uh, and went home. Well, I had other, <laughs> I had other plans, Tane. I thought, you know, I'll, I'll do you all a favour and, and come along for a, a little bit. And that's better than nothing, isn't it? Uh, so I came for a bit, uh, but when I turned up, I walked in and you were just wearing an American football uniform that appeared to have quite a few holes in it and uh, just generally didn't leave a lot to the imagination. Also, it was very funny because I, yeah, I walked in about five o'clock and you were just sat there on a stool wearing that. No one else was in a costume at all. Because <laughs> no one like, else was going to the party. I was like, how long have you been wearing that? It was just a couple of hours. You stood out a bit. You stuck out. I stuck out there and then I stuck out even more at the party. You know, I took a picture of you and uh, received a number of text messages from you 
this morning. So <laughs> don't put it on the Facebook page, mate. I look like a right pillock. Uh, I probably will at some point. It was good. It's good to see actually that I got that. I got that text from you this morning. Presumably that means you've got your phone working again now, because <laughs> uh, it didn't seem to be working last week. <laughs> I texted you four or five times. I looked back though. Screen a couple me. of them though. A couple of them were you know didn't require reply. You know more screens than the Leicester Square Radiant <laughs> team. I was getting quite upset. Well, it's because you keep coming down just for a bit, so I thought oh, I'll just reply a bit to you. <laughs> it seems you only really text me now when you want something. So I, I, I was sending you texts that you were just ignoring. I, d- I didn't receive a reply from you for any of them, but then I eventually got a text. Mate, are you at work? I need something from you. And basically you were coming in your capacity as a radio person. Uh, you, you wanted to do a vox. You wanted to interview me. What was it on Ger- uh, your oh. favourite your favourite place in Guernsey? So I had to come out. I had to come outside of work and do a little two-minute interview. But it, I don't know if you do. I presume you don't do this with everyone you interview. In that I started speaking and I just made eye contact with you and you burst out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> we had, how many times did we have to record it? There were a few takes, but I think it was just the kind of the absurdity of the situation <laughs> just made me laugh. Well, particularly because you were wearing an American football uniform at the time. But then at the end, I was like, oh, how many more people have you got to get? You're like, oh, only a couple. I need to find some girls, though. Every time I uh, approach a girl, they just walk off in the other direction. Well, that's not like, strictly speaking true. It's like, well, that's just the story of your life, really. <laughs> Actually, what happened was, you know, every girl I stopped, you know, I'd put the I'd kind of asked them and had a little conversation with her, but then they were just, they were incapable. They, 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 they couldn't string a sentence together. <laughs> well, okay, just what kind of... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> what kind of direction are you going in with your comedy now, Tim? Oh dear! What kind of point are you trying to make there? No, no, I don't mean that. I don't mean just generally speaking. <laughs> girls don't know. Girls can't come they up with anything. Communicate really. No, what I'm girls have got to say nothing to say. I think they were just, you know, slightly taken aback. You mean they were oh. speechless? Well, yeah, you know, they, they came over all hot and bothered and couldn't think of. That's more along the lines of the point I was trying to make. <laughs> couldn't think of anything to... sensible to say. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you. You could barely get your words out. Yeah, I couldn't think of anything. Yeah. Tony, we've had a storm. Are you aware of this? Guernsey escaped the worst of it. High winds were predicted. And it was it was blowy, for sure. It was quite windy out. Uh, but yeah, last night, we, a few of us were around yours. Kind of a couple of us left to go kind of storm chasing. We tried to call you to see if you wanted to come up. You just screened. <laughs> I was already asleep. To reference a previous conversation. It was about half an hour after you'd left. I was just <laughs> we asleep. We wanted to take you with us. But anyway, there's a, there was a bin bag outside. Your, well, one of your bin bags from outside your house had been blown into the street. Uh, you know, I saw it. I thought, oh, you know, play the big man. Just run over it. I thought you meant you'd go and retrieve it. <laughs> no, just try and impress, the, you know, impress my friend. Uh, which I did, and then about two miles down the road, I was like, just under the because there's music kind of. Hang on, hang on. before you say, why, up. why, why did you run over the bin bag? How would that impress your friend? Oh, I just thought, no, it's just funny, wasn't it? The bin bag was in the road. I was like, oh, I'll burn over it, <laughs> right? Rip through it. Uh, but then about two miles down the road, I could hear it stuck to the bottom of the car. Wow! So it kind of be dragging it along a bit, uh, and then I backed up and reversed back over the bin bag. Uh, <laughs> And most of it had been left, but a lot of it actually had fused with the bottom of the car. Oh, God. Uh, so the entire rest of the night and today, my car smells of refuse, like <laughs> melted plastic and bin juice. Wow. It's really annoying. What was in that bin? Probably. God knows. I don't know what you're throwing out. Oh, I was checking out because uh, you, you'd had a Chinese takeaway. Did you track that out? Yeah, so that, that was, I'd already checked that out. So that's probably what it was, Tone. So really, it's your fault. 
Well, I mean, way, I mean in every in yeah. every way it's your fault because you, you decided to run over the bin bag in some hilarious bit. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Should well, we talk about cricket? Well, what's coming up on this here show today? Uh, the answer to that question is we're going to be talking about the test series between Pakistan and South Africa, uh, which has come and gone. It was a seesaw series, so we're going to be getting right in amongst all of that. There should be time for a couple of side notes as well, so there's lots to look forward to there. But just before we get going, I've got a Halloween joke to kick things off. Today. I always like to do these on the Halloween show. You know, it's sort of a high point of the year in terms of comedy <laughs> on the show. We last Halloween special halloween probably it's pretty much the same every year we just talk about costumes that we've either we either have worn or are planning to wear it's a very kind of uh exaggerated name the halloween special it's pretty much the same we just talk about halloween for a couple of minutes at the start that's the gag isn't it for those who haven't picked up on it (laughs) that is the gag that's the what's the comedy word what do you mean the kind of comedy theory word for that don't know. You should know. You, have, you like your comedy. Call <laughs> um, yourself a comedian. Well, well, speaking of comedy, yeah, here's, here's, here's a Halloween joke for you, Tane. What game do ghosts play at birthday parties? Uh, hang on. Hide and shriek. I've got another one for you. Uh, Why didn't the skeleton cross the road? Because he had nobody to go see. No, although that would also possibly work. That would be just as hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Because he didn't have the guts. Oh, that's good. The, I think there are about 50 different punchlines for that gag. The skeleton crossing the road. Where do baby ghosts go during the day? To the day scare centre. Did you hear that one, Tane? Did you hear it? Did you hear that one? Tane? More of these throughout the show. <laughs> Around the world. Let's kick off the show with our screamingly popular item around the world. Do you like the use of the word screaming there, Tone? Because it's Halloween, because it's the Halloween special. Yeah? Terrifyingly popular would be another way of introducing it. On, <laughs> on which we discuss everything that's been happening around the world. So let's head straight off to the impartial turf of the United Arab Emirates, where Pakistan and South Africa have been contesting a two-test series as I said in the intro, Tane, it was a seesaw affair. Do you remember me saying that in the intro? A seesaw affair. The first test was played in Abu Dhabi, uh, and Pakistan won the game. They they bowled South Africa out for 249, uh, with Mohammed Irfan and debutant Zulfikar Baba taking three wickets apiece. Hashim Amla made a century, but otherwise no real contributions from the South African batsmen. Pakistan went out in their first innings under a lot of pressure against the, the formidable South African pace attack and they made 442 which was a terrific effort hundreds for Kuran Manzoor and Mizbar Al-Haq half centuries also for Shan Massoud on debut and Assad Shafiq that was a lead of almost 200 South Africa went past it but only just they were 232 all out Syed Ajmal took 4 for 74 Pakistan's target was just 40 there was a brief moment where it looked like quite a tall order when they were 7 for 3 uh, but Yunus Khan and Mizbar Al-Haq deployed all their composure to guide their side to the target. So Pakistan went 1-0 up in the series. Uh, the second game, though, South Africa bounced back very strongly. They skittled Pakistan for just 99 on the first morning in Dubai. Imran Tahir, back in the side, took 5 for 32. South Africa then went out and scored 517, 164 from A.B. de Villiers, 234 from the captain, Graham Smith. Uh, remarkable innings. That was a huge lead. Uh, and Pakistan, although they did much better second time around, 
were never likely to even get their noses in front. They were all out for 326, despite Assad Shafiq's 130. Uh, and South Africa won the game by an innings and 92 runs. There was a big talking point in that game as well, which was that uh, Faf Duplessis was fined 50% of his match fee and South Africa were penalised five runs because the television cameras picked up that he was tampering with the ball. He was rubbing it on the zip of his trousers. We'll talk about that in more detail a little bit later on, Tom, but let's concentrate on the, the series, on the actual cricket to begin with. This was, as I say, I don't know if you remember me saying... A seesaw series. Both games were extremely one-sided, but uh, the side that was doing the dominating changed. South Africa preserved their unbeaten series record. They haven't lost any kind of test series since early 2009. They haven't lost away from home since 2006. They have, however, now surrendered their unbeaten match record. Abu Dhabi was their first defeat in a test match since 2011. Pakistan were absolutely brilliant in that opening game, outplaying South Africa pretty comprehensively. You know, it was a, you know, it felt very much like, oh, this is our turf. No one comes here and wins. Uh, but then the tables were turned dramatically in Dubai and the golfing class was enormous. Is there a more mercurial team in professional sport at the moment than the Pakistan cricket team? Just the difference between those two performances and the, the performance before that where they lost to Zimbabwe. Remarkable. I mean, the only one that would probably get anywhere near is our five-a-side team. <laughs> uh, I guess that's not really professional sport, although it is a very professional setup that we've got. <laughs> Uh, it's also not a team that anyone listening to the show is familiar with. So, as a as a comparison, it's probably not that yeah, attractive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, no, I mean, I mean, it's been the case. It's been almost that case for for many years, hasn't it? So, yeah, it's nothing new. We kind of we kind of expected it from Pakistan. It's it's very hard, isn't it, to read much into a two test series? Uh, you know, it'd be nice if we had a third test to very much decide the series. A decider, if you will. A decider, if you like, because. Well, you, you, you know, it'd be quite easy for you to make the or to come to the conclusion that, well, you know, South Africa were a bit undercooked. They haven't played a Test match since early, much earlier on in the year. It's like uh, you're reading my notes, Tone. Oh, I can't see them from here. <laughs> uh, when was it? Like February, they last played a Test match. Yeah. So losing the first one heavily and then winning the second one quite convincingly, you would think probably that yeah, South Africa just haven't played enough Test match cricket. Haven't played enough Test cricket that they weren't ready. And that's probably the case. Although you wouldn't write off Pakistan because of you know, because of the way they play their cricket at the moment. You wouldn't write them off winning a decider. Yeah, it would. It would actually be a fascinating game if a decider would were to be played. Because as you say, you know the momentum very much suggests that South Africa would uh, repeat the the Dubai performance. But then you know, after the first test, you'd have said the momentum was all Pakistan's. So who knows what would have happened? It would be. Very exciting. I guess it's kind of hard to know whether uh, that kind of gap in uh, the gap in playing Test cricket affects bowlers or batsmen more severely. Uh, and I haven't really got any points on this, <laughs> but the fact that you know, I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> you know, the Pakistan, well, sorry, South Africa neither batted or bowled particularly well in the first Test. Uh, but then to come through and just clean up Pakistan in that first innings uh, in the second test probably suggests that the bowlers might have been suffering slightly more than the batsmen for South Africa. Yeah, I think that's right. And uh, you could actually see that in the first test. They really didn't bowl very well in that first innings. Stain and Flander and Morkel were all struggling to find the right length. But then in the second innings, they went out and you know had Pakistan seven for three and on the on the rocks... And Stain and Philander were both pitching the ball up a lot more 
and having a lot more success as a result. And it, it did just seem like, right, they, they weren't at the races in the first innings. They didn't have enough overs in their legs. In retrospect, looking at that second innings of the first test, it's like, well, yeah, the, they were just getting back into it and they carried it on. And if there were a third game, they'd they'd get even better, presumably. So, yeah, I mean, clearly the, the nature of this series, the way that it panned out, was a lot down to South Africa and the fact that they were undercooked. There's no getting away from that. It's not just that they hadn't played Test cricket for eight months, but to have not played Test cricket for eight months and then return in that situation, in Abu Dhabi, that's extremely difficult in a way that it wouldn't be if they hadn't played Test cricket for eight months and were coming back into it at the Wanderers or something. So clearly, therefore, South Africa just weren't ready, I think, for this series. But it's also a lot down to Pakistan as well, isn't it? And it is just this thing that they, they can't seem to string consistent performances together. And it does come down to the batting. The bowling is almost always firing. But for the batsmen, you know, it's frustrating watching Pakistan's batsmen because they've got a lot of talent there. And as we saw in Abu Dhabi, they did go out in the first innings and post over 400. But it's like they have to labour so hard to get there. You know, one in every three innings they might do that, but then they'll ruin it with a a 99 all out. And you're not going to win many test series if you get bowled out for 99 every so often. And even in that 3-0 whitewash of England... The batting was a real problem. They did get bowled out for less than 100 on one occasion. Uh, it was just that England's batsmen were even worse in that series is why they, they won it so convincingly. Um, and really, it's the top order that is the root of the problem. And it has been a problem for Pakistan for years and years. The last top-class opening batsman they had was probably Saeed Anwar. He retired a long time ago now. Kuran Manzor scored that big 100 in Abu Dhabi. And it looked like, oh, here we go. They finally found a solution. Then he got a pair in Dubai. And the top three between them scored about 40 runs in the whole game. They're so reliant on Mizbar and Yunus Khan, aren't they? You, know, you do feel like those two have to make a massive contribution to put Pakistan in the game. But that's a problem because they're both in their late 30s. This isn't a situation that can be sustained for very much longer, is it? Well, no, exactly. And, you know, the, this series result puts Pakistan above Australia in the test rankings, which is not particularly good reflection on Australia's form uh, but you know that, that, that's kind of not a it's not a difficult thing to do at the moment is it am well, I right am I right am I right yeah am I right? but I don't think it's a kind of uh, at this rate you wouldn't think it's a trajectory that can be you wouldn't extrapolate that upwards would you really you'd kind of extrapolate uh, you'd do the opposite extrapolate you'd downwards dick, extrapolate whatever, whatever, <laughs> the, whatever the opposite of extrapolate is dick extrapolate <laughs> I don't know uh but yeah, uh, yeah, I do feel like I want to see Pakistan finding some batsmen. That's what I want for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so if you, can, if you can fix that for me. Well, after the uh, Dubai defeat, Mizbah came out and said, you know, that clearly the batting is a problem. And he thinks that the problem is the, the first class system just isn't strong enough. Uh, that, that, that the batsmen in first class cricket in Pakistan are not facing high quality bowlers enough which is odd because there seem to be so many high quality bowlers coming through but you know they've they've got to find a way therefore to you know try and get some of these young batsmen out playing in first class cricket around the world and that's not an easy thing to do but they're not necessarily going to improve that domestic system overnight yeah I mean there are there's a few bright spots Asad Shafiq being one who was really impressive in this series uh with a hundred and a half century as well and he is a youngster who has genuinely established himself at this level now and you'd, you'd still say that those two opening batsmen that they picked for this series they do deserve a run in the team now they, they did score runs in that uh, opening game uh, and they put on a partnership in that first innings of 135 
And they did it against Stain and Morkel and Philander. And so, you know, that is going to give them some confidence, even though they, they struggled thereafter. How much of a difference for South Africa do you think uh, Imran Tahir made? It was quite a bold move bringing him in. I mean, not in the sense that Robin Peterson had been pretty abject. So, you know, they, they had to do something. But the, the last time that Tahir played Test cricket, he recorded the worst figures <laughs> in history. That was in a Test match in Australia. Uh, and he returned none for 260. Uh, so it was a... Bayford-esque. <laughs> it was Bayford-esque. You know, <laughs> no, that's it's, harsh. You've like, you got like a two for 360. Well, I wouldn't bowl enough overs <laughs> to concede 260. The captain would take me off <laughs> after two, but I'd probably take, you know, none for none for 26 in two. But, you know, so it was, a, it was a brave move of, of South Africa, and, you know, quite credit to them for sticking with him. It would be, you know, it'd be quite easy to say, oh, well, we'll never pick him again after this, but they brought him on the tour, they brought him in, and... Great credit to, to here as well. He must have been pretty nervous. You know, a, you know, he's been handed a second chance. You don't necessarily always get those. So to come out and take a five for on the first morning of the test was a tremendous effort. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you said what, you know, what difference did to here make? And the short answer is eight wickets. Yeah, and a fiver, as you say, in, in kind of helping to skittle Pakistan for 99. I guess, though, it is or it was very much a kind of horses for courses selection, wasn't it? You, you don't feel probably that he's going to see the light of day in a test context too many times soon. Do, do you not think? I mean, yeah, he had, he didn't have uh, much success. He didn't make too much of an impact in his, his test career before this. But I don't see why he wouldn't play. I mean, you know, Robin Peterson did pretty well when he was picked, but then had a poor game in Abu Dhabi. But 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 he's not a sort of world-class match-running spinner. Tahir could be. If he can do this, I don't see why he'd be dropped for the next test match, even though it's in South Africa. You you disagree? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, you know, I, probably, I don't know. Probably, I think probably he would be dropped. Maybe, maybe he wouldn't be dropped, but it, it wouldn't be far from the drop. Like, I don't know, I can't see him going on and, and, and doing enough to... You think justify. it was just the conditions here that that was so in his favour? Yeah, yeah, well, yes, slightly. <laughs> That's a weird, Gary Neville. How, how, how high-pitched did he get? <laughs> sorry. sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize it was such a difficult question, but you're sweating over there. <laughs> I should feel under pressure. I should probably turn this spotlight off. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was a great selection. You know, good to bring him in, but I, w- I wouldn't pick him again. Okay. Well, I might pick him again, <laughs> right. but I, yeah, well, I wouldn't expect the world. From right. that, from that selection, <laughs> so it's probably, you know, I'd, like, harsh I, the guy. I'd like to see you as the coach, <laughs> just saying, you know, saying to him, "I'm going to pick you again, but I'm not expecting a lot." <laughs> yeah. so. Let's get them manage expectations. Yeah, that's <laughs> why I'd make a good coach, I think. Well, as I mentioned before, the game was to an extent overshadowed by an incident uh, in the Pakistan second innings uh, when Faf Duplessis was spotted rubbing the ball on the the zip on his trouser pocket. Vernon Flander was also picked up scratching at the ball with his fingernail. Immediately, everyone freaked out, said ball tampering. South Africa denied it, but Duplessis was was called in before the beak, called in before <laughs> the match referee, and was fined 50% of his match fee. The umpires at the time called the, the captains together and awarded Pakistan five penalty runs. So basically, yeah, in every sense, the ICC have said, yep, this was ball tampering, and they dealt with it. In in a in a way that they saw fit, what did you make of this time? Firstly, are you are you satisfied that it was pool tampering? And secondly, if it was, were, was it dealt with in the right way? And thirdly, if it was pool tampering, 
does it matter? Is ball tampering a, a thing, a, a problem yeah. for you? I mean, it, I mean, ball tampering, that there is a spectrum, isn't there? You can't really say that spitting and shining the ball isn't ball tampering, because it is. So, Are you reading my notes, Toast? Because this is starting <laughs> to sound... I've got your login details. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it is, you know, there's the spectrum running from, you know, you know just rubbing the ball on your trousers, not on the zip, uh, to, I don't know, having some kind of, sandpaper in your in your pocket i guess which would probably for me be pushing it slightly too far i, I mean it's a difficult one isn't it i don't i don't, I don't know I, I don't i wouldn't be too critical of the players involved because i guess every so often it just takes someone to just try and push it slightly too far now, that doesn't make them a cheat so it doesn't make them uh, a bad person it's just them trying to get away with something you know you've got a zip on you it's on your pocket you know if it's gonna if you think it's gonna have an effect then give it a go until someone tells you not to, which is basically what's happened. Yeah, but well, they've also told you not to before. Yeah, but I mean, did they? Spe- uh, uh, is that is that a specified thing not to rub it on a zip? Well, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but what is it? Is it, in, like, is it worded though? Is zip to zip. Well, uh, well like, consult the laws, man. <laughs> Get the laws out. I don't know exactly, but uh, you know, it, I, well, I, I mean, yeah, I don't think you can plead ignorance on it. I, I think you know, everyone was. No one's in any doubt that that is against the rules um as you say it's, it's a very complicated issue it's a very divisive issue i mean in you know in the aftermath of this incident there are it's, it's almost split 50 50 between people who think it's you know, the most heinous crime that you can commit on a cricket field and people who don't think it matters at all for me i think that there was no doubt that it was bull tampering in the sense that we currently define the term uh, because the TV evidence is pretty clear. Look for it on YouTube. I posted the, the video on the World Cricket Show Facebook page as well. At the end of that day, AB de Villiers came out and denied it. Said, you know, we don't cheat. It's, we don't. We don't cheat. He said uh, that he, he said that they weren't tampering with the ball. But he, he kind of made himself look a bit stupid there, I think, because it was just so obvious. And Duplessis didn't contest his fine, so he essentially admitted that he did do it. So for me, there's no doubt that they were tampering with the ball. The question is whether it matters. And as you say, it is a little bit ridiculous, I think, that some manipulation of the condition of the ball is permitted, even encouraged. You know, it's such a familiar thing about cricket, the, the, the spit and shine. People who don't know much about cricket know that, you know, the red marks on the trousers because cricket is a shine in the, the ball there. Shining it doesn't seem, wouldn't, doesn't really fit in with this, but certainly spitting on the ball or rubbing spit into the ball, that is introducing a foreign body into the ball yeah it is it's changing the condition of the ball intentionally to give your side an advantage but that is just so much a part of cricket that no one considers that ball tampering but as soon as you use your fingernails slightly then that is ball tampering so it is a very complicated issue it's much more complicated than some people would suggest it's certainly it's certainly one of kind of cricket's foibles isn't it just weird weirdities uh speed of play comes into it as well because if you were to allow picky of the seam you, you know you, you could feasibly have a normally being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra and united healthcare makes it easy with health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company they supplement your primary plan helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods so when it comes to covering your medical bills you can feel good about being a little extra visit uh1.com to find the health protector guard plan for you 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Bowler spending like five minutes between deliveries, carefully picking out every single stitch. And, you know, it does happen where ball shining just seems to take way too long. Yeah, no, that's true. It is, it is very difficult. It's, it's, there's got to be a line somewhere, hasn't there? It's just, it's just difficult to say where and whether it's at the right place now, one way or the other, I'm not so sure. I think the law probably should be changed, should be re- relaxed a little bit, if only because everyone wants to see reverse swing, don't they? It's such an exciting part of cricket. When you say what- relaxed, though, relaxed to allow what? Relaxed to allow the ball to be rubbed over a zip? Uh, you get players there with like comedy zips down like down the side like, like stripper trousers, just zips down the front of their both thighs. People coming out in onesies. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I haven't I haven't thought this through. Tony. Well, like I'm many so, of your I'm proposals, so, Mayfield. Sounding, like I'm, many of your proposals, sounding a bit like Russell Brand now. Paxman <laughs> grilling me. Yeah. On the on my how would you do it, Mayfield? How would you do it? Well, I haven't thought it through, Jeremy. But uh, uh, but I think I would I would like to see it relax a little bit to, to to find a way to make reverse swing more common than it is at the moment because it is very, very exciting. And I don't see anything wrong with that necessarily. You're a cricket anarchist, aren't you? <laughs> but that being said, this is not in any way to excuse South Africa. I don't think there is any defence for South Africa because the fact is that at the moment the law is as it is and they can't complain that they didn't know that. They might think it's a ridiculous law, but just because you think it's ridiculous doesn't give you the right to disobey it. I know that's kind of how you <laughs> approach things when it comes to where you can park your car and things like that. Uh, but yeah, well, it's because I, con- I consider myself to be an upstanding, sensible, in control member of society. It's, if I think something's ridiculous, <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. Uh, you know, how much did the conditions have to do with it as well? Do you think because I mean, whilst it wasn't the second test and South Africa were on top, it's strange that you know maybe they didn't reach for for that in the first test when when the bowlers were but this is the problem though isn't it because maybe they did maybe it's just that they got caught this time and that is the problem with doing this they can't come out and say oh you know it's a ridiculous law and stuff because there's no transparency i mean it might be that every team in the world is doing it. it might be that pakistan are doing it as well we don't know but maybe not maybe south africa are the only team that are doing it and because it's all you know surreptitious if pakistan aren't doing it because they want to obey the law then that puts Pakistan at a disadvantage if South Africa are doing it. So you have to obey the law as it is. And if you think it needs to be changed, then you have to campaign in a democratic system, regardless of whether or not Russell Brand agrees with that. Because, you know, it it does call things into question, doesn't it? I mean, South Africa have been the best team in the world over the last couple of years. They clearly are the best team in the world at the moment. They've clearly got the best pace attack in the world. And it does raise questions about whether they've reached that situation through legitimate means. I mean, I, I'm I'm not sure I'd buy that. I think it, you know it'd be quite easy to overstate that point because it's not as if they've been doing most of what they've been doing through reverse swing. They've been doing it through more conventional means than that. But there's no doubt that if it does put a little bit of a dent in their reputation. Yeah, I mean, if it, if it's earned them one or two breakthroughs in the last five years, then you know that that could be quite decisive. It, it does contribute, doesn't it? And you know, I would not be surprised to find out that a lot of teams around the world are doing this. I mean, I think. You know, there, there are rumours that England 
are no angels when it comes to this. I think Australia probably as well. I've got no real evidence for that, but I'm happy to bandy accusations <laughs> around on this show. But there's no there's no excuse for it though in my book. I think I think the rules should be relaxed a bit, but that doesn't mean that they should be doing it at the moment. The law needs to be changed first before they do it. Um, it's a crazy thing, isn't it? In cricket, the ball is a is a weird and wonderful thing. Uh, it seems odd to me that you know you're not allowed to do certain things, but then you know if you smack if the batsman smacks the ball into the grandstand and a chunk gets taken out of it, you can't do much about it. That's yeah, true. But yeah. if it comes back with a massive the barbie on just the concrete, pouring snake bite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't do anything about it. So uh, I don't know. It's a strange one. What do you make of the the punishment that's been handed out? I mean, the the five run penalty just seems a bit ridiculous, doesn't it? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's that's the most pointless thing. I mean, it's kind of like it's like that the the ball hitting the helmet thing. It's kind of as if you know the lawmakers, whenever they gathered around to to come up with these punishments, thought that you know, six was the maximum, which only left five. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only kind of that was the only gap. Yeah, it should be more like fifty, I think. The other thing, of course, is is the Duplessis sentence. Fifty percent of his match fee, not even a hundred percent. A lot of Pakistan fans are quite upset about the the lightness of that punishment, with a reaction along the lines of, "Oh, if this was a Pakistan player, they'd throw the kitchen sink at him." And to an extent, that has happened in the past. I mean, uh, Shoei Bakhtar and Shoei Afridi both received two match bans for the same behaviour. So it it probably is difficult to argue that there's not a double standard at work here. There's not been consistency in the way that the ICC have dealt with this. That's not a surprise, though, is it, in many ways? Consistency isn't something you... Well, apart from money-grabbing, you associate <laughs> with the ICC. Consistently money-grabbing. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to give the same punishment that you gave to someone five or six years ago if you think that circumstances have changed in some way, but you need to come out and explain why. And presumably the only reason, or the only reason that would be acceptable is that the ICC no longer consider bull tampering to be as bad as they did at the time that they sentenced Schreiber and Afridi. But they need to come out and explain that. It's certainly not a disincentive, really. Uh, yeah, as you said, five runs, 50% of your match fee, you, you know, it's not really the end of the world. It's no deterrent at all, is it? Five runs is basically nothing. And 50% of one player's match fee isn't a lot either. I'm sure they've all been around. buying him drinks <laughs> in the aftermath. I mean, yeah, maybe the, the damage that it's done to their reputation is it, it might be a deterrent but you know people will move on pretty quickly from it if the ICC do genuinely care about it they need to enact stronger punishments than that does the incident tarnish the result for South Africa I mean on the surface they've they've achieved a pretty decent result here come to the UAE and got a draw a lot better than England managed 18 months ago does it reduce the uh the joy of that at all for them or uh or or not I think that well no uh but only because Whatever you know, whatever you want to say, a two-test series in the UAE it very much almost feels like an exhibition anyway. So I don't know. It just feels like kind of now that we're beyond it, it'll be forgotten, and it will be, <laughs> because yeah. But in the kind of grand scheme of seven years unbeaten away, the series this is one of the least remarkable, really. And yeah, this is not against the kind of top top level opposition. So no is the answer. <laughs> Makes me wonder why we've devoted all this time <laughs> to talking 40. about it. The side notes now, on which we talk about some of the more offbeat stories of the cricketing week. Uh, I have two side notes for you this week, Tone. This first one comes from a website called Crickinfo. That's www.espncrickinfo.com. 
Uh, oh, by the way, did you see that everyone's picked up on this uh, Vatican Cricket Club story? Crick Info had done it. BBC News had done it. Have I got news for you? They've done it. Did you see that? No, I missed that. Yeah, it was uh, one of the uh, one of the opening round stories on Have I Got News for You. They made much better jokes <laughs> than, we, than we did last week. Just because they sat there for about three hours. <laughs> We'd have that kind of time, that luxury. Well, I mean, arguably we do. <laughs> yeah, uh, in the six-hour pre-show planning meeting, <laughs> we could have uh, bounced some ideas around. But Well, anyway, yeah, so that's, uh, that's a, a side note from last week. So let's see if uh, one of these can be uh, just, as, just as memorable. The title of this is From Hurling Javelins to Bowling Bouncers. So then we see a lot of uh, cricketer does something else stories. Weekly. Well, this is a... Uh, Someone from another sport does cricket story. In a case of if you can't beat them, join them, cricket in Sri Lanka has gained a convert from the world of athletics thanks to an evangelistic prod from Dinesh Chandimal. National javelin record holder Sachith Madaranga shocked the track and field community in Sri Lanka when he retired from his sport at 23 last month, citing his frustration at the lack of recognition for his achievement. But weeks later, he has turned his attention to cricket, which is the country's biggest culprit for robbing other sports of their limelight. Schoolmate Chandamal had reportedly suggested that Madaranga try his hand at fast bowling, and he has since been working in the nets at the Primadasa Stadium to some success, according to fast bowling coach Anusha Samaranayaika. Quote, he averages between 130 and 135 kilometres per hour without any difficulty. The only concern is his bowling action, which he said he would like to work with us to improve. Madaranga said he had not yet fully committed to a career in cricket, but a bowler of his description will be a boon to Sri Lanka's sparse, fast bowling stocks. What's that in real money then? 130. 130 kph. Yeah. Take off, was it? You uh, divide by eight and multiply by five, then. That's how you do it, son. Divide by eight. And multiply by five. 80. Not that quick, is it, really? Okay, so it's divide by eight. And multiply by f- five. It's about 80 miles an hour time. Which is not quick enough, really. <laughs> no, it's it? true. <laughs> Paul it's the that. <laughs> Stop saying things are Bayfield-esque. <laughs> Stop saying things that are not good enough are Bayfield-esque. Uh, I mean, what, 80 is, yeah, it'd be decent in primary school, wouldn't it? But Well, that would be terrifyingly yeah, fast in primary school. Me, that's but it's, it's about Paul Collingwood pace, isn't it? Yeah, it's useful, but... A little little work to go. Yeah, uh, it's probably about how fast I bowl. No, it's not. I've not. Well, I've not been clocked. It's really not. <coughs> I guarantee you, it's not that you don't bowl at eighty miles an hour. If you faced eighty miles an hour, it would feel very quick. But at you know international level, my arms aren't long enough for eighty. It's nowhere near good enough. We will get the bowling machine out, Tone. You you were too scared to face mm, eighty miles an hour. I, no, we cranked it up to 88, 89 for me. Oh no no no! I was the no. way. I was the only. Them. I was the only one who faced ninety. No. Yeah. I played a uh, forward defensive. Missed it, I think. No, I played, no. I played a forward defensive and connected. Played and missed. And then I played and missed yeah. it nine or ten <laughs> others. Uh, the action of throwing a javelin presumably doesn't really translate that much to bowling a cricket. Well, I won't make the chucking gag that you're all expecting now. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> He's in the right place if he wants to learn how to, to throw a cricket ball like a javelin. That's a joke. <laughs> that really is a joke. So, so far on this episode, you've offended women and Sri Lankans. Well done, so Pretty good going. Still a bit of time left as well. Don't, I'm, not, I'm not out to offend anyone. That's not my <laughs> shtick. Don't offend anyone. You're a regular Frankie Boyle. 
Uh, I've got another article this week, saying, and it comes from The Economist. I've brought a copy of The Economist with me, saying, okay. that's right, I read The Economist. It's got nothing to do with cricket, has it? You're just trying <laughs> to shoe on this one in. Yeah, it's actually called uh, Against the Odds. The French president is battling dismal poll ratings, local election defeats and government division. Oh. just thought I'd read this. No, I read The Economist, Tone. Don't, don't get me wrong, I know, I know all the big words, like paradigm. <laughs> I'm not the only one. Russell Brand's not the only one who knows the word paradigm. Um, This is uh, their their, uh, Asia column, Banyan. The meaning of Sachin. The impending retirement of India's most famous cricketer warrants national introspection. I'm not going to read the whole article today, but it's actually really good, so I recommend that people do go and read it, theeconomist.com. How do you cope in a world without God? That is the question Indian cricket fans, otherwise known as Indians, are asking after Sachin Tendulkar announced that he would retire from international cricket. Millions will remember where they were when they heard the news. Mr Tendulkar, a curly-haired and diminutive Mumbaiker, has long been known as the god of cricket in a country almost maniacally obsessed with the game. It really is hard for outsiders, especially those unschooled in the world's greatest game, to appreciate the huge extent of his appeal. When Mr Tendulkar walks out to bat for India... As he has 780 times, seething stadiums erupt, boiling over with cacophonous Sachin love. Perhaps 400 million watch on television, risking power surges to India's jerry-rigged grid, which end abruptly the moment Mr Tendulkar gets out. I like that they keep calling him Mr Tendulkar. (laughs) Batsmen walk out into the middle alone, wrote C.P. Surendran, a poet. Not Tendulkar. Every time Tendulkar walks to the crease, a whole nation marches with him to the battle arena. No sportsman has ever been more revered. Mr Tendulkar's genius is the easiest explanation for this madness. After making his debut for India in 1989 as a 16-year-old schoolboy with a squeaky voice and shy smile, he went on to become one of the best and most enduring cricketers of all time. He has scored 100 international centuries, did you hear about that, Tone? Including a staggering 51 in tests. His final test against West Indies in his native Mumbai next month will be his 200th. That is another record it is hard to imagine anyone beating. In a country scarred by a long history of being second best, where strident nationalism rarely conceals the lingering insecurity that many Indians, even rich ones, feel about their place in the world. This success is glorious. India's greatest national hero is also a world-beater. Mr Tendulkar is not, in the long history of cricket as affirmation, struggle and protest in India, the first great Indian batsman. He is not even indisputably the best. In the 1970s and 80s, another pint-sized Mumbaiker, Sunil Gavaskar, scored almost as heavily against better bowling and in weaker Indian sides than Mr Tendulkar has usually played in. Rather, Mr Tendulkar is in a sense the last of these struggling titans. So radically has India's cricketing culture been transformed, like India itself, by the socio-economic changes his career has straddled. When he first played a test on a fiery day in Karachi, India was much poorer, more modest and less populous than it is today. The economy was a sixth of its current size and nothing describes the intervening makeover in India's fortunes more acutely than cricket and Mr Tendulkar. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get the Mr. thing. <laughs> it's just because it's The Economist and that's what they do. When they mention anyone, they'll say David Cameron to begin with and then they'll just call him Mr. Cameron after that. So, But it's quite funny because it's, you know, it's a sportsman. It's just not yeah. the way. It's, I'd like all sports reports to be like that. Mr. Rooney scored a 25-yard <laughs> volley. The second goal was added by Mr. Van Persie. <laughs> Uh, oh, well, I think we. I mean, we. Yeah, in, in thirty-five minutes or so, we summed up Tendulkar. <laughs> yeah, that's that'll probably stand the test of time. I think as well, an analysis. Last week's show. Yeah, of his career. Yeah, the one stop. The only place you need, really. 
the only place there is, I think, that's the other than this Economist article, I think we're, <laughs> we're the only two media outlets to actually. Strange that no one else picked it up. Maybe I'll have a good news for you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Much like Morrissey's autobiography, this episode of the World Cricket Show was hotly anticipated for years and years beforehand, but in the end, it was little more than predictable score settling and tiresome, self-pitying moaning. As such, it's probably about time to bring it to an end. You read that yet, Tone, that Morrissey autobiography? No, no, I've never been that much of a Morrissey kind of devotee. I'm massively into the Smiths, as well you know. Uh, but I, well, this is one of the text messages that you ignored from me. Well, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't <laughs> contribute. You kind of just ranted about Morrissey for 850 well, characters. It's so baffling to me that he can, on the one hand, have written some of the great lyrics of all time that, you know, just, <laughs> just like speak directly to my soul with the Smiths, but then be a just relentlessly 24 carat prat to use a word that you would use. And just be such an idiot all the time. Yeah. And all his public pronouncements are maddening, and his autobiography is maddening. It's just, I, it's just a disconnect there. I don't understand it. Anyway, that's enough, <laughs> that's enough about Morrissey. <laughs> Similar reaction to the one you got the text message. <laughs> so I've got nothing to say about Morrissey. I just don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I, I think there's definitely kind of true as well as sportsmen. I remember growing up, you know, you'd, you'd be watching football, cricket, whatever an older generation member would always say something along the lines of like about you know a coach or a manager or something like oh he was a great player in his day I just couldn't believe you know I couldn't believe it as a kid I couldn't understand couldn't conceive of it or like Kenny Dalglish or something yeah Yeah. Uh, you know football and cricket like at the time you know like Bob Willis Duncan Fletcher as well was a a good all rounder in his day yeah but yeah you're right you can't imagine it now I know that in like 20-30 years time I'll be I'll be just bending kids' ears about, like, you know, the likes of... Miss, know, Mr. Tendulkar. <laughs> Mr. Tendulkar or, or others, you know. Vernon Philander, I'll be, I'll be going off on one. But I couldn't understand it at the time. But it's similar with musicians. Like, I just don't care about old musicians, really, and what they've got to say. It's a little bit I different, do like though, their isn't it? songs. Because you can actually listen to yeah. the music that they recorded at the time. But there are very few actual old musicians who make points, who speak about things... I at all respect, really, <laughs> quite frankly. Uh, Add another group to the list. Women, musicians. Sri Lankans, old musicians, slammed by care tonight. But yeah, no, well... Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't care... I c- Byrne, David Byrne, I've, I've, you know, he's made some interesting points about music you know, recently. Like, you know, I, you know, I do like some of his music, but also when he comes out and says something, it's largely can be quite good. Uh, but then, you, you know, you've got the likes of Bono... He's just saying, I just don't, what are you doing, Morrissey? But, but then Morrissey was the same when he was younger as well. That's the thing that I find so strange. I mean, he is worse now than he ever was. But if you read his quotes from the Smiths' heyday, he just comes across like a total idiot. But then at the same time, he's recording this unbelievable music. I remember most of my teenage years was just lying on the floor listening to <laughs> the Smiths. Uh, I, I just, I don't really get it. But there you go, enough about Morrissey. Have you had fun tonight, Tone? It wasn't too scary, was it? This no, Halloween special? no, it's fairly tame. We survived it. Uh, we got through another episode. I'm pretty tired this week. I went. I'm not tired at all. I went. Oh, it makes a change. I went uh, bowling the other night. <laughs> right. Not been bowling for a long time, uh, but I, I, I was at the uh, at the venue. Went up to the went up to the bar to get a drink. Just ordered a J two O. Just a, just a plug right. <laughs> for one of our sponsors. Uh, yeah, I think I was just incredibly tired. I was just, I just started like 
thinking of something else and the barman gave me my change and I must have just been putting it away in my wallet like really slowly just with my head down looking at the counter because the barman just went are you all right mate <laughs> it's like it's like is there somebody we can phone for you is your dad here yeah so sad <laughs> it was quite sad yeah right so you just pop in for a bit to the bowling or did you did you stay for the whole thing i stayed for the whole thing oh, yeah, you, know, was, you know i was with people that i actually wanted to be with <laughs> right, okay, at that cool, point yeah. <laughs> just like some of my mates oh yeah did you go bowling with i just went with my girlfriend and her two friends oh okay so, i didn't get the invite to that <laughs> no you didn't no, you no didn't. You she, she wanted to invite no, you actually but i specifically said that's i'm fine. not i don't want to hang out with tony <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we would have just dominated. We'd just be talked about crap all night, wouldn't we? So. It's the big one next week, Tone. It's the two. Christ, I'd actually it's, forgotten it's about that. It's the 200th episode. Oh. What are we going to do for it? Well, is, what the know, bloody hell are we going to do for it? There's the big scary moment of the Halloween <laughs> special right there. Right there. I've got no ideas. The, the twist that no one <laughs> predicted. Little in me. I've got no ideas. Oh, so, we'll come up with something good. Somebody suggested a centurion, which is, uh, for people who don't know, is drinking a hundred shots of beer in a hundred minutes uh, and suggested that we do that and record an episode at the same time. Now, I don't drink alcohol, so that would just have to be you, Tone, doing that, which would be quite entertaining, I think, if I was Stone Cold Sober and you were getting progressively more drunk. I'd be up for it. Yeah. It's a 200th episode, isn't it? So we'd probably have to do a double centurion. That might be a struggle. Yeah. I've got quite a busy weekend, though. <laughs> I don't know when I'm... Yeah. I have to do that in the week. Oh, I'm actually away this weekend. I'm going, I'm going to the tennis at the O2. I'm just going to London for a bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, just going to pop over for a bit. Just pop into the tennis for a bit. Yeah, just going to see the first couple of games. Yeah. And head off. Got some rust of me. But on a serious note, what we might actually do for the 200th episode, I mean, we'll do a normal episode for a start, but we might do a little bit of an extended got a question. If anyone's got questions that they want to ask us about anything, about cricket, you know, if they want Morrissey. to know about Morrissey, about the show, about about the two of us. I don't know what you could possibly want to know, but if you've got questions, email them in, show at gmail.com, if you want to know our origin story. Maybe we could do uh, the 200th episode could be like a reboot. We'll just make it like episode one. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a great idea. Like, Start again. Yeah, like, like we're meeting Start each again. other. For the first yeah, time. yeah, exactly. That'd be quite funny. Do you realise we've been doing this for five years now, Tone? Is that impressive? Is that an impressive thing? To have done, or is it in fact completely the opposite? Reminds me of the guy who typed the numbers one to a million in words <laughs> on a typewriter. It took him sixteen years. <laughs> that's the kind of that's the kind of that's, that puts this achievement into context. I think. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. we've just been racking numbers. It's just a statistics yeah. game, isn't it? Just get it done. <laughs> just get to two hundred and get beyond two hundred. Um, anyway, yes. Well, that's all to look forward to next week. But that's about it for this week. Uh, we've got to do the plugs now, Tony. I think you should do these. Twitter at Tony Cover, and you're at Twicket Show, aren't you? Or something. <laughs> Twicket Show, Cricket Show. No, you're at Cricket Show. Don't forget to mention about our Twitter handles, Tony. <laughs> you should probably mention that. Yeah, uh, and also Facebook. Facebook dot com. Facebook dot com slash Cricket Show. Very close to being the most popular Facebook page in Guernsey. How about that? Yeah, remarkable, isn't it? The most popular Guernsey-based Facebook page behind only Guernsey police at the moment, I think. <laughs> rapidly closing. This is very exciting. That will be a big moment. Yeah. That will make us national heroes. <laughs> no, it won't. Yeah. Uh, you drop us an email as well. Uh, cricket. 
worldcreatorshow at gmail.com. Yeah. <laughs> it's nodding, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it reminds me of like, my teacher in like a kind of <laughs> German oral exam. Just like, yeah, yeah, get on the, on the right lines. Like, wait, what's the verb? What's the verb? <laughs> it's like mouthing. But at ich habe cricket. Dry, Bruder. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. Holding up bits yes. of paper with the answers on. Uh, oh, um, mention our email as well, too. Oh, cool, right. Cheers, yeah. yeah. Don't forget, they probably want to know the address. Yeah. Worldcreekshow.gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Well, I think we're there. Website. Ugh. Cricketshow.net. And uh, leave us a review on iTunes as well, if you've got a minute this week. It does really... Help us out. Thanks, everyone, who has done that. Hey, mate, the England team are in Australia. I know, it's exciting, The Ashes are approaching. We're going to start talking about the Ashes next week. It's actually not as far away as you might think. The warm-up must start, like, next week. Yeah, the warm-up starts on Halloween, Tone. The first one will be on Halloween. So, yeah, that's very exciting. Obviously, we're going to do a two-part preview. So we're actually going to have to start doing that quite soon. I think next week we'll talk in general about the tour. Then we'll do the following week our Australia preview. Then we'll do our England preview. Just to fill you with excitement about that, I looked at the top stories on Crick Info today and BBC Sport Cricket today, uh, just before uh, you know, as you do, you yeah. kind of check check the news. And the top stories was Broad stands by his decision not to walk, and it immediately put me off the ashes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. Right. Okay. So there we go. Well, let's put that one to bed. All this, to, all this to look forward to next trashing week. Trashing his computer in the background <laughs> there. Well, there you go. That's it for this week. Stay in school, everyone. See you for the 200th episode spectacular. Bye for now. Yeah, oh, that's a Twitter mention. I think for you. <laughs> what? This is uh, the Sports Commission. We attempt to follow in your footsteps and cri- <laughs> hang on. Let me just let me just read this out. Okay. This is a live Twitter mention here at Tony Cavell, which is my Twitter handle yeah. from Guernsey Sports, which is the Guernsey Sports Commission. We attempt to follow in your footsteps and create a successful worldwide podcast. Hear the hashtag GSC podcast here. There you go. So there's a plug for the Guernsey Sports Commission podcast. Wow. Just go to at Guernsey Sports and get a link there if you're interested in Guernsey Sport at all. I, I, I think people shouldn't do that because I, I don't like the idea of a rival. No. Well, it's not really about sport. It's about what they do. I don't care. It's another podcast, though. I'm not going to promote it. <laughs> 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 